how should we be communicating with our staff at this like really challenging time? Um, because just writing an email doesn't cut it. You know, they want to look the boss in the eye and they want to know where he or she is at. And they want to know really that the, the boss has got their back. Right now, I feel more than ever, as the world is dealing with this coronavirus pandemic, the power of video to craft and build authentic human relationships is so apparent. And in this episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, that's exactly what we're talking about with communication strategist, author, and filmmaker, Nick Francis from Casual Films. So let's do it. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. G'day and welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing and I'm here to help you engage your ideal audience to action through effective online video strategy. Before we get into today's show, I just want to reach out to you and just ask you a question. How are you doing right now? Where are you at right now? I know there's a lot of uncertainty and fear around the world right now and I want to let you know that if there's any way that I can help you or any information I can share, then please reach out to me anytime, podcast at engagevideomarketing.com. But for now, I want to continue to bring you these episodes and hopefully provide you with some, some insight and some motivation and some information that will help you position yourself in the work that you're doing with video right now and into the future. And that's what we're going to get into today. You see, our chat today is going to focus around the power of video in evoking human engagement, and particularly how businesses and video producers can tap into this to create compelling and effective content, both in a marketing sense and in a communications sense. And my guest today is author of a book called The New Fire. And he's a communication strategist and a filmmaker based out of San Francisco in the USA. His company, Casual Films, produces over 2,000 films a year for some of the world's most influential brands. They've worked in 44 countries and have had their work translated into 35 languages, winning over 100 awards in the process. From Casual's first job on the road to Mongolia in a clapped out mini, their spirit of adventure has led them to offices in London, New York, LA, San Francisco, and now Amsterdam. He previously worked for BBC News and has studied, read, written, and presented extensively about video, storytelling, brand building, and communication. He is the founding director of the Casual Films Academy charity, which trains young people in filmmaking through producing videos for charitable causes. As I'm sure you're about to hear and recognize, Nick is an awesome guy with some great insight into the power of video in today's world. And I know you're going to love this conversation. And a quick mention before we get into today's show that if you're interested in checking out the Engage Video Marketing Academy, I encourage you to come and join me over there at engagevideomarketingacademy.com and learn more about how I can come alongside and help you be more effective with your video marketing for your brand or your business. 
So enough from me for now. Let's get into the conversation with Nick Francis from Casual Films. Nick Francis, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Ben. It's really good to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. And I guess you're in quarantine over in San Francisco. And we were talking before we hit record about some of the uncertainty and the craziness that's happening around around the world right now. And I think that'll factor into our conversation a bit here today. But mm. how are you? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing okay. You know, sort of surviving in a house with two small kids. Um, uh, quite aware that we're only, what, four days in. Um, so, you know, ask me in. Ask me a month and a half. Okay. We'll make sure <laughs> um, to yeah, check gen- back generally in. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome, cool. So for people that haven't heard about you before, Nick, can you fill us in on your story and what led you into what you do in the world of video today? Sure. So when I was younger, I wanted to be a photojournalist um, because I guess I wanted to see life like really lived at the edge, the idea of being a war journalist and seeing the sort of the, the greatest kind of kindnesses and also cruelties of the human condition sort of really interested me. Um, and that was when I was a sort of, you know, young t- teenager. And, and then I, I got more into sort of journalism and writing and then uh, television journalism seemed, seemed like a sort of logical combination of the visual and the written narrative. Um, and then I got a job working, I did a course in television journalism at uh, City University in London and then um, got a job working for BBC Breakfast News producing um, and then uh, left to go and do this thing called the Mongol Rally, which is a rally from London to Mongolia in an old car. So we did it in a 1987 Mini, like one of the old Italian, Michael yeah. Caine Italian job minis. Nice. Um, and made, um, and I, because I had this job at the Beeb, I didn't want to turn my back on it um, and just go and have a jolly. So we uh, wrote a proposal to do a long form documentary um, which we sent off to all the major broadcasters, and uh, <laughs> surprisingly, uh, they didn't want to make want to pay us to make their make a holiday film. So we repurposed it and made it into a, a proposal for a series of diary films. Which Expedia, the travel website, was like, "Yes, we love that." And it was 2006. It was just after YouTube was founded. It was before people really thought of the internet as a medium for video. Um, and we went and filmed and edited and uploaded these films from the road to, to Mongolia, which was, um, really intense. Um, and, uh, a, a passenger seat of a, an old mini is a terrible, terrible place to edit, edit films. Um, yeah, in 2006 as well, right? Yeah. And, you know, and we were shooting on an HDV and we had this MacBook, which just couldn't handle the files. And it was like, you know, to do an output, it was like two and a half hours to upload that, you know, we were, the, I think the uh, the aspect ratio was like three twenty by two four two or something to add like like a postage stamp, but they'd take like three hours to upload. So we'd have like our account manager from the agency being like, "Where's the where you know where is it?" And we we're like, "It's uploading, it's uploading," but like literally it takes six hours. But anyway, um, we came back and realised that the internet had opened up this massive medium for video, and video just seemed like the most logical way to communicate online. Um, because it just, you know, it's just so much more engaging. It's so much more emotive than, than copy. Um, and so, yeah, we built a company from there uh, and we were lucky enough to win some awards earlier on, which really helped us to kind of differentiate ourselves and, and help to sort of give us a bit of a focus on employer communications and helping businesses to communicate with their staff, to recruit staff and engage staff. Um, and yeah, opened up in New York. This, that was London, opened up in New York in 2011. Um, and then 
on the west coast of the Tates in 2017, and then I moved out here in 2018. And yeah, the company's just been yeah going like really really strong, particularly in the states. Uh, so we're London, New York, LA, San Francisco, and we've just opened up in Amsterdam. And then and then the apocalypse hit, hmm. and you know we we shall see. Yeah. So before the apocalypse, what was the what was the key kind of work that you were doing with your production company? Sure. So uh, we it's a real breadth of work. So everything from uh, working with like business services firms, like large accountancy uh, for practices, with our animators explaining, you know, uh, what you know what compliance is, um, and right through through to company. Uh, uh, publishers like uh, Red Bull, uh, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, uh, then uh, Rolls Royce, uh, BMW, uh, a lot of empl- employer communications. So, like, yeah, internal communications, a lot of recruitment. Um, and then in the States, we do um, a fair bit of um, sort of uh, like. Uh, like profile films. So we do a lot of profile films for Adobe, uh, GoDaddy, Facebook. Um, so like real selection, like we're mainly kind of like quite large blue chips just because they're the, that's the kind of cal- the, the level of client that, that has the kind of budgets to, to do the kind of work that we want to do. Excellent. Cool. So all the way back in 2006, when you kind of, I guess, cut your teeth in, in this travel vlog style uh, yeah. content I think you know what I'm recognizing there is what you kind of tapped into is this idea that video is so powerful in just allowing people to connect with people right and, and mm. without having seen your Mongolia travel videos um, you know I imagine that it's <laughs> a lot of your story hair, right? <laughs> right. yeah 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 it was and you know what like in a way it's what um it's what youtubers like, like like that is that's what they do now that you know and i think if we had gone on from our 15 films and you know kept going then you know i don't know i don't know if we're necessarily interesting enough to to, yeah. to kind of hit the heights of some of them but but yeah i mean you know we we discovered like video blogging before people i mean i, I remember i had a conversation with um there's a brand manager at unilever um and i said to him you know you should have a video on every single one of your product pages and he looked at me honestly like i was completely mad and said why why on earth would we want video on our website um i wish i, re- I should have recorded when was it that? Really. i mean it, that was like 2007 yeah 2006 they would have been ahead of the curve if they did yeah they would they yeah. would but you know it, it just it, it's funny you know it's one of the really valuable things in a way about being in san francisco is that um you're so aware of this kind of like technological kind of tidal wave that is sweeping through every industry, but you know, our industry, um, you know, is, is, is not kind of um, saved from that. And, and you kind of, you come here and you know, there are lots of kind of technological um, cities where there's lots of exciting stuff happening, but you know, to be here and to like, to be, if you like, in this sort of the epicenter of this kind of technological revolution and you realize that actually, it's not moving anything like as fast as you think it is. You know, you, you can get scary and you kind of think, oh gosh, you know, are we going to be, we're going to be disintermediated by, you know, websites like Upwork or some of the freelancer networks. And then you, you realize that actually filmmaking is, is a, it, it requires a good amount of human input. And there's a lot that can be uh, automated out, of course, 
but you know i think you know for our jobs are are safe for the time being well hopefully you know again you know pandemic you know global meltdown notwithstanding i just, yeah. you know i think the the people are going to need people to be making films for, for some time to come um because of just the intricacies of it um so yeah it's yeah. You know, anyway it's sort of slight kind of digression but yeah um it's not moving as fast as you think it is yeah it's, i mean let's expand on that let's expand yeah. on that a bit because i'm interested to explore with you this idea of the the role that that video plays today and i before we hit record we talked about the even increasing role of video and communication in what's going on right now right but just yeah. more, more generally like as as the role of video has progressed as technology has progressed over the years what what role do you see video playing in marketing and communication today mm, i mean it's really interesting with you know because so, so many people across uh across the u.s across europe are and I'm sure it, you know it will come it comes to Australia as, as well as like you know people working from home being like being under under a curfew um, uh, or uh, sheltering in place as they call it here. Um, and uh, I was talking to a, a very senior um, employee comms person at a global financial company this morning, and she was saying, you know, like we were, she was talking to the CEO and saying, well, you know, how should we be communicating with our staff at this like really challenging time? Um, because just writing an email doesn't cut it. You know, they want to look the boss in the eye and they want to know where he or she is at, and they want to know really that that. that They've got the, the the boss has got their back, and you know even if they don't understand exactly what is going to what the outcome is going to be, they're going to do their very best. And and and, and her point was like a, a blog or an email just doesn't cut it. And I think and that's the sort of the really interesting thing about like where we are now is we're sort of seeing the value of video kind of boiled down in a way that like. You know, we as producers, you know, it's it's always great when you get to work with a bigger crew and you get like so like aerial shots in there, and you want to kind of like really ramp up the production and make it really exciting and cool. And and you know, the reason that so many of us got into it because it's just such a fantastic job to have. Actually, you can boil that all away, and ultimately, just having the boss there communicating directly with someone who's sitting in their kitchen, maybe they're quite scared and they're quite concerned about the future um and video provides an ability to, to to really reach people in that circumstance yeah i think you know we've seen and most of the listeners to the podcast would have seen and felt this shift towards authenticity in video marketing right um and it's perhaps even an overused word this idea of authenticity perhaps but you know really what we're coming down to here and i think it's reflecting in what you're saying there around the role of video and communication now like real crisis communication um is it's about allowing people to connect on a human level which is really where video has always been just so powerful but when you think about when you think about that though, just more generally in using authentic video mm -hmm. within marketing, where, where do you see people failing at this or getting it, getting it wrong or trying to be authentic, but it's, they're missing the mark. Yeah. So one of the things when I was wrote the book, I, I did a fair bit of, uh, 
a bit of research around like the, the what's the physiology of how a film works on on the human body um and i was looking at like the power of empathy and what makes like why video is such an empathetic medium and the reason for it is like the these scientists uh used to they used to believe that empathy was just like pete it was an evolutionary advantage for you to look at someone who is suffering and go, Ooh, I want to say, I want to stop that suffering. And what they found was that in your brain, you have what they call mirror cells. And so you feel what the people that you are seeing, the, the emotions that they're feeling. So, you know, if you see someone who is cold, like you will, your brain will mirror that and you will feel slightly cold and therefore you want to resolve that situation. And so from a filmmaking standpoint, if you watch, um, you know, the beach scene in Saving Private Ryan, say, the emotions that you go through are the same as the emotions of the people who are on that beach. Um, and it was actually, there was a really interesting psycho, uh, psychoanalyst in, uh, in Israel did this study on people's brains, the brain chemistry of people watching really intense psychological thrillers. Um, and she showed them Black Swan, the uh, uh, Darren Aronofsky uh, film. And um, she found that, and it, you know, it's a really intense film. I don't want to spoil it, but like basically uh, Natalie Portman is training to be a, a ballerina and she gets so kind of het up and so involved in becoming this swan that she has this like, like psycho, um, uh, schizophrenic episode and starts to visualize like wings coming out of her. And she found that the people, the, the, the psychoanalyst found that the people watching uh, that on screen exhibited the same brain chemistry as people who were experiencing a, psych, a, 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 a schizophrenic episode. Right. And so from a kind of, from a, so, okay, so rewind and sort of, you know, maybe stop being quite so academic about it. Um, what we're trying to do as filmmakers is to let, like, to engage people's emotions on the, like, on the most um, simple and clear. Um, you want to go straight for the heart, basically, and anything that gets in the way of that. Um, it will 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 reduce that the, the, the power of that emotion. So, as an example, uh, we were doing some work with a uh, a large um, auto uh, insurer. It's an insurer, and their their insight was that by providing auto insurance, they uh, enable family life to happen. Because you know, if you've got a family, like you know, you're sort of in the car together, and like you know, kids do say silly things, and stuff happens, and it's like it's family life is happening because of the car, because of the which is enabled by them having car insurance. So anyway, they gave like a couple of million quid to this big ad agency in London. They shot it all on like Master Primes, and they had a t uh, all these professional actors, and it was all beautiful and like magic hour and lovely, and but it just felt fake and it felt yeah. it just felt like it, honestly it was weird and it was because of the amount of production they put into it and then they gave us like a, a absolute fraction of that budget and they said well look can you do the below the line and we said well sure and we did a fixed rigs gopros in each of the cars uh we took the whole crew out of the car so like remove as much kind of the production infrastructure as possible just have like four gopros in the car maybe five one for a wide um and then some radio mics 
the driver had a uh, earpiece in so that the, the director could feed could feed the next subject. And they talked about you know the the first time they went on a safari or when they brought little Huey home from hospital or um, you know just the you know whatever you know what like just a variety of, of family related stuff um and it just it, we just let the families have these conversations and you know kids when you put mics on them and a camera in their face and you get out the way so that they can just not be nervous kids say amazing things and families yeah. are funny right yeah. um and you know there was a fair bit of like pre-production just to make sure that you know, to, to find those stories and to work out what we wanted to talk about. But like, yeah, it was just really, really neat. And what that meant was that um, it, we got these like 30, 40 second outputs that were incredibly successful because people could sit there on YouTube or Facebook or wherever and watch them and they're just so warm and it's such a nice little break from your day. You know, you're sitting there with a cup of coffee and you could just watch these little 40 things and they got shared loads and like the view completion rate was so high that YouTube in London got in touch with us to ask us like what we'd done um, to, to, to create these incredibly sticky videos. And, and frankly, we just got out of the way and we just yeah. let the people be people. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think um, there's so much that people can take from that for for what they're doing. I'm sure in their own in their own marketing because you know I think what the big takeaway there is for me anyway is that you know production doesn't matter. It's it's connection. It's human connection. And um, when you're producing content, when you are crafting content as a production company or a, as a business, just think about ways to do that that removes those those barriers to to that connection taking place and there yeah. are multiple ways to do that and that's a great example of one way to do that mm. um that's but, awesome you know, it's not yeah. it's not necessarily uh, you know removing the production removing the, like the artifice and removing the kind of production infrastructure from the shoot that's not necessarily about just doing it on the cheap yes right like it you know because it, it, it takes time you know the I think the the um, the woman who led the production on it, you know, she spoke to scores of families to find the the four families that we ended up featuring. So you know, there was a lot of work that went in, but it just kind of it went in before the production. And you know, had we just had we rolled into it and just got a family and shot it, you know, you probably wouldn't have got quite the same. Uh, you wouldn't have got the same same result. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just front loading it. It is it's spending more time in pre-production and not mm. just relying on the production circumstances to create something that fits a, a storyboard or a mold, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's um let's maybe dive into this a bit deeper this idea of of you know human connection and authenticity in video and mm -hmm. and think about for people that maybe don't have a production budget even if they're you know a small business trying to create some engaging content for social media on their on their smartphone mm -hmm. like it, what sort of tips can you share that to to help people just plan for this human connection or remove sure. the the barriers to human connection is maybe another way to look at it yeah so uh, i mean the best piece of advice really would be to if you you know if you're running a small business or, or any business really is is to talk to your customers um particularly your kind of like apex top five percent clients the ones who 
you have a really, really good relationship with. They come back to you, they'll stand by you. You deliver huge value to them and talk to them, like understand, you know, what is it that is special about what you do? And what is, you know, what's the role you play in their life? Because it might not be, you know, yeah, you know, you, you may be a video producer, but you, you know, you also, well, whatever you do, you know, if you're, you might be a dentist, say, um, and uh, you want to promote dentistry. Now you could just say, oh, well, you know, we look how white we make your teeth and look how perfect, you know, our dentistry is, or you could find that you have given a, I don't know, 65 year old grandmother, the ability to smile after a lifetime of not smiling because she felt feels awkward about her teeth. And if you can find that, you know, or, you know, um, and, and then just, and then just tell that story, you know, and just like, and like, and, 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 and also spend time because you need to get people to, to warm up to you. It's something, you know, whenever like, I don't make films quite so much anymore, sadly, but, um, when I did, whenever I was doing an interview, I'd always just say to the operator, just roll the, roll, have, just have the camera rolling because it's the, ins, it's the moment of saying, okay, roll. You, you can be having a perfectly normal conversation and then you, you roll the camera and the people kind of go, oh my gosh, suddenly it really matters. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the, the kind of the more you can remove the process and the production, the better. Yeah, I think that's, that's awesome and really good advice. And we do the same here. I think, um, you know, when you think about just creating content, you know, with your clients and telling those stories where you can as well, getting that, that customer to tell their story, you know, um, Mm. just, and when they do, when, you know, people love telling their own stories, that's my experience, you know, particularly if it's a story that means something to them and they can't not tell it in an authentic way. If you let them just open up and just say, just tell me, tell me the story. And, um, you know, that, that's where you can just hit on some gold. Absolutely. Which is why I always try to not send questions. Like it's always, it's always the more senior people and the more senior you get in an organization, the more concerned they get about like, Oh, you know, how am I going to come across? It has to be perfect because I'm the boss and they just bung it, you know, they just freeze up, clam up. Um, and so, yeah, like, you know, if you can just have a conversation to roll into asking you know if you're doing an interview asking your, your your sort of specific questions but then secondly just don't necessarily send the actual questions over just say these are the areas we want to talk about because the you know the worst thing is when someone scripts it and yeah. then they're trying to remember the script and it's just like it's horrible horrible, yeah. horrible horrible yeah big mistake um, that i've seen happen time and time again yeah 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 oh. yeah Nick, I want to um, I want to pivot now and, and talk a little mm-hmm. bit about about the book that you've written. Mm-hmm. So the book's called The New Fire. Um, can you break down the the big concept behind that? Because The New Fire doesn't necessarily sound like a book that a video producer would write. But no, sure. Tell me what, what's sure, it all sure. about. What's it all about? So uh, I've been making films for for some time, and I was working in a kind of less executive role in the business. And you know, I had kids, and um, I just thought, you know what, I want to just see like understand what have I learned but also more importantly there is such a experience gap or in like knowledge gap or 
not with the people that we work with directly, but with the executive team above them. So uh, I think the real kind of thing that spurred me on to do it was that I went and did a a pitch in in Switzerland to to a pet pet food company. They had some amazing stories. Like, you know, they take their dogs into hospitals to help kids to convalesce and they all had their pets in the office. And it was just like, this is great. Like there's so much great content you could be sharing here. And, um, and I, and I, at the end of the meeting, the, the, the head of marketing comes up to me and says, yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. This is great. However, whenever we say, Oh, this is what we want to do. The people who hold the purse strings say, well, hang on a second. Like, why have we not got our logo? You know, we need to open on the logo and then we need the housewife to say, you know, I buy this pet food because, you know, Fido loves it and it makes his coat so glossy or whatever, you know, very, very specific wording that they, they have to get out. And it's just, it was, so it's kind of like, that's where marketing was. It's not where it is now. And like video is is now is it's about kind of like removing the artifice and being honest and authentic and you know and all that you know good stuff we've been talking about um and so i wanted to create a book which that marketing director or the marketing team could take to their finance director and be like this is why video works like and so the first part of it looks at the the physiology and like why video works on a human mind and then it looks at um the changes in technology and the democratization of video and how that now means that we are, we are all broadcast channels, like um, right down to individuals, but you know, particularly large corporates. And then um, the sort of the, the midpoint of the book is about the value of purpose and how all of the content that you share should be the cornerstone of that content should be your purpose as a business. And if you can do that, then you're, it, firstly, it will there will be far more consistency in your output, but also it will just make it um, just far more powerful. Um, and then the second half of the book uh, just goes through like you know how to write a brief, how to find and tell a good story, how to um, how to audition people, how to use data to inform the content that you want to create, and you know and lo- loads of other stuff. So it's a bit of sort of how to on the second part. Um, but yeah, I mean. The reason it's called the new fire was I, I like the metaphor that well it's a couple of reasons firstly fire is like such an important element fire and storytelling um are such a fundamental have played such a fundamental role in in making it in our understanding of the world so we first uh harnessed fire four hundred thousand years ago and that did two things. Firstly, it allowed us to get far more nutrients out of our food, which meant our brains could grow because growing a brain is an incredibly nutrient-intensive thing. Um, but it also lengthened the day, which then meant that we were able to use these kind of newly developed brains to talk in abstract ways. So people who've studied the last hunter-gatherer communities in Africa found that during the day, they talk in very sort of specific, very direct terms um, about what's going on around them. So it would be like, go and get the water, watch out for that wildebeest, go and get your sister, do this, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in the evening, they talk far more abstractly and they tell stories. And so, yeah, anyway, so I'm sort of going on a little bit, but the, um, the reason it's called the new fire is that like, I like the metaphor for like fire that gives light and it can give you life, it can help you, but it can kill you, it can burn you, it can, 
you know, it, there's sort of it, it, like, and video is, you know, like video in the, in the online space is just, it has that ability just to kind of ignite. And, um, and yeah, I just, I, I really like that. Cool. I get it. Actually, that was a really long no, answer. No, I, I love it. I, I'm glad you explained that because I, I, I really, that metaphor resonates. I'm like, mm. I get, I get that. That's awesome. Um, with your book, who, who would be the ideal person to pick that up? You, you wrote it for who, who should have that in their hands? Um, well, it's a real wide range. I mean, you know what, like the real value of writing a book, um, not that that was a question I know, but, um, was that it really helped was I didn't appreciate quite how much of an educational experience it would be for me. Like I sort of thought I knew some stuff and then I'd write it down, but actually in the construction of the book, you sort of, you, it really helps you to learn and to under and to put your thoughts into in order. Um, and so like, yeah, like ultimately the book was written for, um, senior executives, but actually anyone who uses video, I, I, I think would be able to, to, to take something from it. Um, and, you know, certainly from the feedback that I've had from the people who've read it, like, you know, at, at all levels from, from filmmakers right through, like they've really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. So the book's called the new fire and where can people get hold of it? They can get it on, um, on all major international, uh, booksellers called Amazon. Um, and I, <laughs> and I will, I'll share, I'll share a link. Um, uh, yeah. So cool. yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I did think about like, you know, should I self publish it? Should I try and get a publisher? And I figured that it, part of me didn't think that I could write a book and I guess I just didn't want to put anything in the way of me being able just to get it out and do it. Um, and it was 15 months of, of work. It got a lot more intense towards the end. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, it just, I, I've been able to share it a lot more widely, I think, because I, because I self-published it, which has been, which has been great. Awesome. We'll have the links to where you can get the book in the show notes for this episode. So stick around to the end and I'll, I'll mention that where you can see the show notes. I just want to wrap up this conversation, Nick, by just bringing it back to the situation that, you know, if people are listening to this podcast right now, as is the time of publication, I'm probably feeling right now. And, you know, I want to talk about everything that we've kind of talked about today around human connection, authenticity, and the power of video and bring that down to, you know, how can people really factor that in, in, in the way that they're doing business and I guess trying to keep their business going, mm -hmm. um, today, you know, what, what are the, what are your thoughts on that? It's really interesting that this pandemic is posing challenges on the sort of very immediate business level in that, you know, we've had a number of our clients put work on hold and, you know, we are looking at, you know, how we can make sure we keep the doors open until the, the other side of this. But then there's also just like quite a philosophical element to it. And, and what I mean by that is that there are changes that have been accelerating in our world for some years. And I think this will really, the world will never be quite the same again. And particularly once people have been in their houses for upwards of six weeks, because it takes six weeks to learn a new habit. 
And so the working from home thing, the people com communicating with their own, creating their own videos and sharing their own videos online, like we're never going to go back there. And, and it's interesting to, or, or we'll never quite go back to where we were before. And it's really interesting to think about um, how that will change things like, you know, large shoots, you know, like there will in the future be less larger shoots because we have now realized or, or our clients will have realized that actually you can create perfectly decent video with a with a web camera and and therefore like to to justify working at a at a larger scale is going to be is going to be a, like a big mountain for us to climb um so yeah i mean i think you know the my advice really would be to to look at it and go like the world is changing and where is it going and how can we get ahead of it? Um, you know, how can we be more lightweight? How can we make sure that the content that we share um, is as uh, is as valuable to the audience as 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 we can as we can make it? And you know, I think one of the problems or one of the challenges that we've had as an industry really is that we're we're kind of in love with what we do. Um, and that, you know, that makes it a great, that makes it a fantastic jo career job. I love it. You know, it's, it's wonderful. I love the filmmakers that we get to work with. It's, it, you know, it's, it's been the most incredible adventure, but from a business standpoint, like we are making business tools. And I think we sometimes forget that like we need to serve the client's brief, not just itch our own, you know, Steven Spielberg-esque desires. Yeah. Um, and I think people will the people will be more acutely aware of uh the value that we will be bringing um, after this um you know i think our clients will become more savvy as a result because they're all making their own videos now um you know so and that you know that was a change that was happening anyway but i think that's that's probably accelerating i think you know one other thing just finally would be i think we'll maybe become a bit more output agnostic and what I mean by that is that for, we are communicators and we're helping businesses to communicate. And of course, that like video is the way to do that online. But, you know, we're, we're doing more podcasts than we've ever done before, helping our, our clients with that. You know, I think there's probably help with other pieces of content creation because we, they, our clients will come to us to help them to establish a broader narrative and then the different pieces of content that we create, then, then we'll be responsible for creating the different pieces of content that make up that broader narrative. And, you know, whether that is a blog post, whether it's a, a still image, whether it's a podcast or what, you know, whatever, or, or largely video. Um, I think we probably need to be a bit less precious about like saying we are a video production company and more like we are a, uh, we're your communication. We, we, we are here to help with, to help you as a communication resource. Yeah. And I think that the, the skill sets that, you know, we've developed as, as video producers around storytelling and understanding how to build in that human engagement that we've been talking about is something that is going to, to make us valuable. You know, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that, that, 
that skill of doing that um, is something that can't be ignored and can be translated into other methods of, of helping our clients achieve the outcomes that they need. So yeah, I think that's um, I, really good. I could completely, you know, like it, I've stroked my chin for, for many years about like where is video production going and like what do we have to do as a business to stay ahead of and to keep innovating. Um, and, um, I think like video producers, I think like we are, we're, we're safe, um, because it's, because it's complicated to pull together a shoot and it's, it's complicated to, uh, take a client's requirements and to turn them into something which is really engaging, um, and which will sort of drive the action that they're trying to, to drive, um, that having been said, like where I think we will fall down is if we get overly caught up in, you know, always wanting to make the shoot the bigger scale that we possibly can, because then we start to like, we're not delivering the, the, the clients don't perceive the value and are not going to receive the value. And, and then, you know, people, but yeah, it's like, well, why would we work with them then? Yeah. Um, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Nick, thank you for that. Um, just in closing, yes, where can people learn more from you or follow you or connect with sure. you? Where's, where's the um, best place to reach out? So best place is um, on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Nick Francis film, one word, um, linkedin.com forward slash. Um, and uh, casualfilms.com is the website. Uh, I edit our blog um, and write a lot of the blog content on there. Uh, also send out our fr Happy Friday mailer which is a sort of digest of some of the stuff we've been sharing, some of our work. So, you know, come along, uh, subscribe on there, drop me a note on LinkedIn. It'd be great to hear from you. Um, I love film. I love filmmakers and I love talking about it. So, you know, um, yeah, drop me a line. And if you're in San Francisco, um, let's go and grab a beer when all this is over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, stay safe and, um, and don't go too stir crazy in this time of isolation. Um, yeah. and thanks for joining me on the show. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, Ben, it's been a real pleasure. Really great. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Nick for joining me on today's show and I hope you found that valuable and insightful. I know I certainly did as well. Reach out to me if you've got any feedback at engage underscore Ben on Instagram is the best place to come and slide into my DMs as they say and let's start a conversation. And if you want the links to Nick's book or anything else that we talked about in today's show, head on over to engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 137 or episode 137 and you'll be able to get access right there. And if you've enjoyed today's show and haven't yet left a rating and a review, of course, I would highly value any ratings and reviews for this show on the podcast player of your choice. An easy way to do that is to head on over to engagevideomarketing.com slash iTunes. Follow the links there to leave a review on the Apple Podcast Store. I really appreciate you for doing that. And it helps this podcast reach more people and help more people just like you. So thanks again for joining me for today's show and sticking around till the end. And thanks again for joining me as part of the Engage Video Marketing community. I love the conversations and connections that I, I make through this podcast. And if we haven't yet connected, then reach out to me and say g'day. 
So until next week, I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and I'll be back with you next week with another episode to help engage your ideal audience to action through effective online video. See you then. Thank you.